Hi friends and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show and uh, hope you're all keeping well and staying safe and that you're all taking care of yourselves and that you're all healthy um, and yeah, um, because as you know, we're all going through this pandemic right now. We're all going through it together. So just want to check in about that. Um, and I'm really delighted to welcome uh, a guest I've wanted on the show for a long time, um, a pastor and a writer, um, and does some activism as well, um, Grisel Medina. Welcome to the show, if I've pronounced that correctly, I hope I have. Grisel Medina. <laughs> I'm used to be, being the, my name being mispronounced, so it's not a problem. It's great to be here, James. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. It's been yeah, it's been a long time coming. This so um, um, what we're going to do today? I think we're gonna we're gonna do a little kind of reflection because it's um, it's Good Friday and we're going to just do a little bit of a reflection on what's going on in the world and what our response to it's going to be and in the context of Good Friday and making a space to just reflect on things and bearing in mind what, uh, the story of Jesus um, and I felt that Grisel was the perfect person to do this so um, before we get into that just um, tell us a bit about yourself and your story Well I grew up in New York City uh, which is of course the hot spot now of this pandemic um, I have a lot of family still there, um, all over New York, with the island of Manhattan, Bronx, Queens, uh, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm originally from there, grew up there, was born and raised there, went to school there, um, went to upstate uh, New York to college, went to seminary, uh, got ordained with the Evangelical Covenant Church. Um, I have planted three churches. Um, and right now I'm doing leadership and community development with the denomination and I also do prayer summits and I'm a public speaker and a writer wow yeah and you're on Twitter you're absolutely this is where a friend first encountered you you're yeah such wisdom you're just this source of great wisdom and contemplation and reflection um, I really would recommend following Grisel on Twitter because uh, right now, yeah, um, your kind of words are the words that we need. Um, so what's kind of been your experience of what's going on and reflections on what's going on in the world right now? I think this is a pause. It's a forced pause button that we we as a, as a global community are going through right now um, because it's not something that we can just say, well, this city is going through a turmoil or much like a hurricane season, we see certain areas of the, of the globe affected by hurricane season. This is like a hurricane for the world. And so the world now has been forced to pause and the devastation is not just our cities or our communities, but it's our global world that's going through this. And so when we talk about social distancing, it's not just one part of the world, it's the whole world. It's basically practicing social distancing. Um, 
And, and now when we're looking at the loss of jobs and the loss of income and businesses, small businesses affected and churches affected, we're looking at it from a global standpoint. So it's a different grief. It's a different feel to the sorrow. The sorrow is, is very palpable. I just had a friend that um, is having to do three funerals. Uh, for his congregation, three individuals have died from the COVID-19. Oh, and well, so that sad. is a challenge in itself. You know, how do you do, yeah. how do you do fair? How do you do um, caregiving in this kind of pandemic? Um, how do you deal with things that normally we wouldn't have to even consider? Like, you know, how to make funeral arrangements and what does that look like? in this kind of pandemic when we can't even be with our loved ones when they are going through the suffering. Um, mm. it's, it's a very, very challenging time for those who care for their congregations, but it's also a time that we're looking at what is essential and what is a non-essential. Yeah. And, and having to do ministry in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, pretty much have, most churches I know now are doing a meeting online, um, doing Zoom or Skype meetings, um, and yeah, it's just the whole dynamic of everything has just shifted. It's like we were talking before we started recording, the whole world's just on pause in a way. It's like everything has just stopped and we have to find a new way of doing things while we while we pause um, and you know we're like we're talking about going this going out on Good Friday that that's a day on the calendar that we often pause that to reflect on suffering and um, trauma and um, sacrifice and all of these things all these things that are actually happening in the world right now you know which we're seeing in front of our eyes you know like doctors and nurses and key workers all kind of putting themselves out there um, to save all of us, to protect us, to keep us healthy, to stop people from dying and putting themselves at risk while they're doing it. It's um, it's a very, very visible metaphor um, for Good Friday in many ways. And, and we're learning that some things that we thought were essential are really not essential. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 there are things that we we took for granted, and people that we took for granted. Um, I, I I just looked at a report yesterday of the people that are cleaning the hospitals, and no one ever sees the people that clean our you know clean our hospitals and and take out you know the sanitation workers and. People that do that, you know, that bag our groceries and people that stock the groceries and, and the tr truck drivers that bring the groceries to the to their destinations. There's so many people now that we're looking at now and saying, wow, these are these people are essential to our, you know, our daily lives. But yet we've ignored them. We, you know, rarely said thank you to, to those people, really considered the the job, the importance of their jobs and, mm. and how essential they are to 
everyday life. And so we're having to redefine what is essential. We're having to redefine what is non-essential. We are having to redefine the things that we look at as, as needs, but really are not needs, they're wants. And so it's, it's very important now that we look at this time and redefine things in our own personal lives because there are things that we have selfishly considered as important and really they're not. And, God, yeah. and I think that this is a, a really good point in time for God to redefine things in our own lives. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. It is that. You know, with, I mean, my, I've got family members who are key workers who, you know, who take out the rubbish, who, um, you know, who, uh, and I'm a key worker myself uh, in, one, in one way because I work with um, children that are being up for adoption, children in care. You know, we can't stop caring for those children. They have to still be cared for. Um, some of them are in abusive homes they need to be taken out of abusive homes um, and you know I don't deem myself as a key worker um, but but certainly the people that you mentioned they are they're, they're, you know, without them we wouldn't survive you know we could survive without bankers and you know kind of millionaires and all that you know we can we can survive without them but we can't survive without doctors nurses bin, bin men people who work in shops going out there every day doing you know and hopefully we can develop some more gratitude through this process and when we start to go out into the world again we can start to show some more respect and gratitude to these people not just in terms of how we treat them but also things like how we pay them you know um, and that kind of thing I think people already in this country in the UK are saying you need to raise these people's salaries you know when this is over um, because they don't get paid enough for what they do you know they're putting their life on the line and uh, we wouldn't survive without them exactly and that's that's um, that's something that God is really putting on my heart is the things that I've overlooked and in our busy world we overlook a lot of things that are essential in our lives and people we overlook people that are essential. Every human being in the planet is essential to God. I mean, yeah. we are created in His image. So there is no non-essential human being. Every human being is essential. But yet in our own busy worlds, we deem certain people of value and other people of not of value. They're not as valuable. And that is, that is something that, that God is putting up in the forefront right now. Is the way that we have looked at people and people groups that now God is saying without them yeah. things just don't work. They are they are the they are the oil, they are the wheel that turns everything. And without them we don't function. Um and and that's it, that's the key thing. What is essential that's the word that keeps popping in my in my heart, that palpitates in my heart is what is essential for self? What is essential? What are what are the things that you can do without and what are the things that you really need to focus on? And it, I think that that's the question that we all have to ask. 
we have to ask what is essential and how do we care better for people? How do we treat people better? How do we become better human beings? Those are the questions, the probing questions right now. Because if we don't make the changes, if we don't focus on really what's important right now, then when will we? Because this is yeah. this is a this is a, a, a this is something we've never seen before. Exactly. Yeah. And I hope that we never ever have to see this. Indeed. Ever again. Yeah, I, I concur. <laughs> I hope we never I have hope to see we this again. We never have to see this again. But because we are going through this, and we that are on we're looking this at this drama unfold and the layers of this, you know, the layers that are happening here. Um, because every day I see another layer being peeled off. What are we learning from this? And what can we learn um, that will impact us for the future? Because we're the ones that are going to be telling the stories, James. Yeah. We're the ones that are living through this. <laughs> yeah. And, it's and so people will ask us, you know, what, five years from now, ten years from now, how was that and what did we learn from this? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's, <laughs> that's something I've been reflecting on for myself is, you know, yes, I'm carrying a lot of grief and anxiety like we all are. But also I've been really reflecting on what, what, what is this going to teach me what am I going to learn from this how am I going to grow from this what is this speaking what is this speaking to in in me and that's because I mean I've got experience of dealing with grief and trauma in my own life as people who listen to this show know uh, and the last few years I've been working through that and actually going into the pain and feeling it and going to the, the difficult places and and confronting it and building structure into my life which allows me to go in and out of it without it controlling me and so I can be free and that time taught me to navigate difficult periods like this in a much healthier way that's not to say that I don't feel pain or anxiety or fear or any of those things it's just that I've learned to navigate it better and so and I'm going through this. I can, I can. I'm able to stop and pause and look at myself and see what's going on in me, and ask the question of what that is. Um, because the, the temptation will be when we come out of this time will be to just do what we've done before and try and medicate out of it, trying to build certainty around it, try to avoid dealing with it in whatever way we can. And actually, the only way we're going to really learn the lessons of what's going on now and 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 grow as a result of it is to face up to what what's going on in us yes and and the uncertainty the uncertainty is driving us to a deeper place mm. and I think that the, the, the danger is that we, we, we live in extremes you know so there's the, the, there's the optimist that says everything's going to be great, and then there's the pessimist that says everything's going to go wrong. Yeah. So yeah. we live in those two extremes, right? But God is saying, no, no, there's a, there's a place in the middle, this uncertainty, 
that I'm, I'm needing you to kind of stay in. And that's hard because mm. we want to be in one of the uh, one of the two extremes. Yeah. I want to, you know, we want to say, oh, we we are going to get, you know, we're going to get greater, we're going to be better, we're going to be uh, stronger, and that is true in some respects. But the fact is that not everyone is going to survive this, and yeah. that's the reality. The reality is that some. You know, I and I and I tweeted about this yesterday. It's like, you know, some will live and some will die. Some mm. will some will come out of this stronger, and some of them, some of us will need a lot of help. Um, because that's how trauma is. Trauma is messy. And those of us who have gone through trauma, I've gone through trauma because I, my mother was a a, a victim of domestic violence. Right. And so. I look at isolation from a different vantage point because I look at isolation as, you know, people that are in isolation in domestic violence mm, situations. Yeah. That's not a good thing. No, to absolutely. To be quarantined with an abuser. Um, yeah. That's not a good thing. Um, it's not a good thing to, to be um, a child in a home where it's abusive. Absolutely. And isolated and quarantined. Absolutely. That is not a good thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at isolation is going to be different for each person. Yeah. For some, it, looks, it seems like a vacation because they've got a big nest egg. And for them, it's like, oh, this is a vacation. I work from home and it's great and, and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm so productive and I'm... Mm. <laughs> and I have everything. <laughs> oh, it's fine. <laughs> Don't worry. I have everything organized. I'm painting. I'm doing this. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the fact is that not everyone is in a good place. Yeah, and that's 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 the reality. That's the reality. There there are people who are really struggling. Um, yes. And. Yeah. And we're struggling. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we're all. I mean, I've talked to other people about about this on the show. That you know, we're all carrying this kind of grief in us. We all have carrying a little bit of anxiety. We're all a little bit on edge under the surface. Whether we, whether we whether we whether we whether, the question is whether we're going to acknowledge it or not. And the healthy thing to do is to acknowledge it. Uh, and it's okay to not have it all together. It's okay to not. <laughs> To, to be a bit of a mess right now because we're human beings that's all we are yeah and uh and you're right we need to think about the people who are really like who are suffering like you're talking about domestic violence cases have gone up in the uk since this happened it's not a it's not a coincidence uh and uh yeah that's gonna we'll have to address that you know when this is over uh, exactly. and that's that's going to exactly. be a big issue that's really important uh, you know and so uh, yeah I mean there's so many there's so many factors and, and you're right everyone's experience is different because we are all different and we all have different stories and we all have different histories and we all have different um, you know we've all gone through different things I mean, and some of us have conditions and some of us don't have conditions and some of us have mental illness that we carry around with us. Some of us don't. You know, it, we're all different. So we're all going to experience this differently. And 
people need to understand that every kind of response is okay. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to pretend like we're all okay and everything's going to be fine. Exactly. Um, and, and we all grieve differently. Yeah. Yeah. We all grieve differently. And so for some, the grieving process will be longer. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. We have to be able to give permission for everyone to deal with this crisis in, in the way that is healthiest for them. I don't determine how you process this grief. Hmm. And as a pastor, I can't, I can't put a label on this and tell you, hurry up and move on. Because that, to me, is, is counterproductive. Absolutely. As, as a pastor, I have to allow each individual to process their grief in the way that is healthiest for them. Um, and I see a lot of people trying to rush through this hmm. process. Yeah. And rush people through the process. Hmm. Um, I, I just had uh, someone that I encountered on Twitter that lost her father. And her grief was not just the loss of her father in this pandemic where she couldn't be even with him mm. as yeah. he died. Yeah. But also that people were saying, oh, but he lived a good life and he's in heaven now. And, want, you know, what a wonderful place and he's not suffering anymore. Those kinds of things don't help. Nope. They don't help. And unfortunately, I have people in ministry that do that, you know, and, and oh, put the days on these things. And trauma, trauma is complicated. And we as individuals, as human beings, are also multi-layered, complicated people. We all look at things from different vantage points. And we have to be able to give people permission to grieve in the way that they see is healthiest for them. Absolutely. And, and the process is not determined by us. I can't tell you, you should be all over this, this trauma already. This was 20 years ago. This was five years ago. This was one year ago. This was yesterday. I don't determine that time frame. And we, as a, as a, as, as a, a church, and I speak from, as a pastor, need to stop doing this to people. That is so un. That's not helpful at all. In fact, it is painful, and yeah. it regresses people in, in their healing process. Yeah, I, I, lost, I lost my mother 20 years ago this month, and uh, I remember somebody said to me on the day she died, you know, she, was, she had a good life, she, she's in heaven now, it's okay. And it's lucky that I was kind of numbing the pain at, the, at that point, because if I hadn't been numbing the pain, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> Um, I don't recommend numbing the pain when you're going through grief, but that probably stopped me from doing something I regretted at that point. Um, um, so, yeah, we need to... It's, it, like 20 years ago, there was no mechanism for dealing with grief. It was like, okay, you have the funeral, that's it. That's it. My church didn't do anything for me after that. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, there wasn't kind of... Uh, and not because they were bad, it was a bad church, it's because there wasn't that process in place then. You know, there wasn't an understanding of mental health and trauma like there is now. Um, there wasn't the network of professionals that there is now. You know, it's not, uh, it was a very different world 20 years ago. But 
you know, I mean, to, I mean, to hear that some pastors do that even now is shocking for me. Like because you know, grief is. I mean, grief, grief. You don't stop grieving. Grief just, grief just evolves and changes. It's kind of circular. It goes in. There's different seasons of it, different stages of it, and it comes and goes and it evolves. You know, now, now I'm, you know, I'm out of the kind of. It's 20 years on. I've dealt with. I've processed all of all of that, and now I'm in a place where I can grieve in a healthy way. So if I need to let out some, you know, if it's like her anniversary or something of her death. I will just go and find a space and just cry and have a some, remember some good memories and stuff and that will help me process the grief because I've dealt with it you know in a way I haven't dealt with it but I'm I'm still grieving but just in a different way and it's not it's not such a big thing in my life as it was so it's not like you just have this period where you're grieving and then it's over you know um, yeah. you're always going to be carrying that grief and we, I've been talking about this for a while that you know for years people in our culture in western culture have been carrying a whole load of grief around and haven't dealt with it and haven't confronted it and haven't learned how to process it and i just try to numb it with certainty and with like um addictions or even healthy addictions like caffeine you know or like hobbies or anything they've tried to just find ways to ignore dealing with what's really going on and that's caused so many problems in our culture and now we're going we're, we're almost being compelled to okay to take a step back and start looking at what's going on because for me it's not just what's going on now and the trauma from that it's it's where that's coming from what's going on deeper inside of us like what what we were, were we already carrying that we hadn't so we haven't we hadn't talked about uh, and that's that's going to be really important going forward i think and now, now taking everything that you just said and now putting it in a communal sense. Yeah. Because this is a communal grief. Exactly, right? yeah. Exactly. I mean, we that's are, what I'm we thinking. Are all yeah. in a place of loss. Yeah. All of us are in a place of loss. And so how do we deal with that uh, as a community? Hmm. Because this is, this is a communal grief. This is, this is a... a this is not something that's that's a simple simple medicine is going to take away. There's a lot of things that we're going to have to process together. Uh, this yeah. affects us in our minds, our thought lives. Uh, this is affecting us emotionally. When um, I have to talk to people that are in a, on a daily basis are losing things, losing a job, losing a source of income. Wondering if they're going to lose their homes. Wondering if they're going to get evicted from their places of residence. Um, how are they going to take care of their children? Um, I mean, all of these different dynamics. So this is a communal grief. How do we deal with communal grief? We've never dealt with communal grief before. We've never been this way before. So even as God told Joshua, you know, Joshua was going through the, the, the motions of coming into leadership, and God is telling Joshua, you haven't been this way before. So there's no pattern for you to follow. So we're the ones, James, that are going to have to, de to get with God and develop new patterns of dealing with this communal grief, because this is not this is not just getting a medicine and, and it's all over. This is 
you know, some of some some are predicting that there will be another another wave of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know when we, when this is going to end. We can't just say, oh, we'll go back to normal. There's no going back to normal. It's go, it's adjusting to a new normal. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, that's right. We've. I said this to someone the other day. It's a new normal now. This is this yeah. is normal now. This is our new yeah. normal. The old normal has gone. That's never coming back. Exactly. Yeah, we will start up our lives again. Maybe we'll start going out again and interacting again and living our lives again. But it will not be the same. No. It will not be the same. And we have to no. grieve the loss of the life we had. We may yeah. have to even have to grieve being in quarantine because we'll get so used to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, that, that's the reality. We, you know, we might get used to, oh, I, I like, kind of like working from home and being at home a lot and stuff. You know, uh, and then they'll be like, oh, I've actually got to go out and go into the world and engage again, you know. And so there'll be that as well. And so it's on very many levels. And it is, like you say, a communal grief. And, I, you know, my hope is that people engage with that grief. Um, because that can be the key to healing um, and transformation and discovering who you really are um, and um, the only the fear I have is that some people won't because of the world the way the world is and the way we live the world we live in that people some people won't but the world has changed and it's not going to go back to how it was no it isn't and, and that's going to be an adjustment for some people because they're going to want to have, you know, business as usual and it, it's, it's not going to be that way. Mm, that's right. And that, that, will be, that will be painful for some who, who are determined to hold on to the past, mm. determined to idolize the past. And yeah. And that will be their idol. Is is always is is trying to hold on to something that's gone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. It's really interesting, actually, because it's kind of because obviously it's Good Friday today, and there's and it's Easter on Sunday, and there's two stories that come to mind, which from from this this season, which which come which which kind of feel really true, and that was when Jesus is on the cross and he he's offered vinegar to numb the pain. And he refuses it. Jesus doesn't. Jesus chooses not to numb the pain. He chooses to feel the pain. He chooses to go right. He just. I mean, I think that's a great metaphor for what we need to do. We need to not choose. We need to say no to the vinegar. We need to. We need to to feel the pain, and Jesus can actually meet us in that. That's the thing. Um, Amen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's like, yeah, I've done this as well. Like I've done this as well. You're not alone. Like, um, and I've got the scars. But the thing, there's also that thing about things not going back to how they were. Because when Jesus rises from the dead, the disciples are like, "Oh, you're back!" Like, so everything goes back to how it was before. And Jesus is like, "No, it doesn't go back to how it was before. <laughs> After you've been through all of that, it doesn't go back. You know, it doesn't. It, everything, everything changes, and that's." Uh, and you have to come to terms with that and so it's actually a really really fitting metaphor I think yes and, and, and trauma when you go through trauma you know this um, when you go through trauma you, you don't come out the same you are different 
Mm. Yeah. And, and, and more scars. Yeah. Because trauma leaves a scar. Um, so you have to embrace the scars. And, mm. and I love the, you know, when I, when I read the passages of, of Jesus just before he died and then after his death and, and, and his resurrection, he, he never, he could have just come out of the grave with no scars. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely, yeah. He could have come out of the grave, no scars, mm. no, no flashes on his back, no nail scars on his hands. Um, no piercings in his feet, yeah. um, no no hole in his side by the mm. spear that was thrust into him. He could have come out, you know, better than before. You know, almost like a makeover. Yeah. You know, here's the new Jesus, new and improved. You know, better than before. No scars, nothing here, nothing on my hands. But yes, he comes out of the grave. With his scars, and he shows him. Yeah. He shows his disciples his scars, and I'm thinking, wow, that is a that is an upside down theology. That Jesus can come out of a such a horrific crucifixion, and and he could have easily removed every scar of that painful situation of the cross. And yet he shows his disciples the scars. He shows them his scars. He never he 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 almost he almost brags about his scars. Is that is, is that even possible? I know what you mean. Yeah, he's like you know what this I mean? happened. I mean, and 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 our in our world system, we always want to hide our scars. We want. We don't want to talk about the trauma. We don't want to talk about the pain. We want to go. We just want to get over it, right? And and people tell us get over it, but yet that's not really what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells. If you look at the scriptures, I think that you see that God never intends for any of us to hide our scars to hide the trauma, to not talk about the trauma. He talked about, he, he showed everyone that what he had been through. And that was not something that he was ashamed of. Yeah, absolutely. And there was what... no shame in the trauma. And we are always, we are always, met, you know, people need to tell us, it, it's not a good thing for you to talk about your trauma. I've had people tell me, don't talk about that. You know, you've moved on, you're you're over that. Don't 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 talk about those things. But there is healing in talking about the trauma. There's healing in embracing the pain, like you said, of not taking the vinegar, of just embracing that pain. There's just something about that that when I am weak in that in my weakest point, that's where God's strength comes forth. Yeah. That's brilliant. Such great wisdom. Oh, um, so, just we finish, um, what is one piece of wisdom that you'd like to share with people right now? I and mean, it's Good Friday. We're listening to this on Good Friday. You know, um, what's one piece of wisdom for for today, and for what we're going through now that you that you want to share? A message, maybe. 
I would I would leave your your audience with a question. What what does God want me to become after this? And you can fill in the blank of what the after this is. For for many for many of us that includes our present trauma and our past trauma and our future trauma. Mm. What will God want me to become after this? Not that God initiates the trauma, but that trauma is part of life. And for some of us, that is part of our story. So instead of not, instead of forgetting about what hurt us, why don't we embrace the hurt and know that that is part, also part of our story? That the, the ashes is just as important as the beautiful treasures that come out of whatever issue that we're dealing with. And the ashes are there for a reason. And and I keep referring to, to um, the scriptures where it says God gives us beauty for ashes. And it's, it's this divine exchange. And what is the divine exchange in this thing that we're going through right now? Is the question that I would pose to everyone that's hearing that's a brilliant question. That's a brilliant question. Thank you so much, Grisel, for coming on the show and sharing this wisdom with us. It's so, so needed right now. And I hope, we, hope you can come back on the show and um, we can talk again. Um, but thank you so much. Thank you, James. And um, take care, everybody, and uh, stay well. <laughs>